0: Hi, this is Jerome Gilmartin, JMJ Catholic Radio, bringing local and EWTN Catholic programming to Northeastern and Central Pennsylvania. Welcome to the In the Father's Hands program with host Mary Kate Grady. Mary Kate's guest today is Edward Lawrence, originally from South Philadelphia. He received his master's degree in religious studies from St. Charles Borromeo Seminary in Philadelphia and took a sabbatical at Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. And Ed taught religion at Archbishop Ryan High School in Philadelphia for 41 years, and now runs the Prayers Unite the World Ministry. Ed is a member of maternity uh, of the Blessed Virgin Mary Parish, uh, where he he and his wife, in North, northeast, northeast Philadelphia, where he and his wife are members of the, as I say, maternity of the Blessed Virgin Mary Parish. Mary-Kate.
1: Thank you so much, Jerry, and I welcome back, everyone, to our program in the Father's Hands. It's so good to be back with you again. And before we get started in the program with the interview, I'd just like to mention Um, which I've mentioned this before, I know at different times, the importance of Catholic radio, especially JMJ Catholic radio here in the Diocese of Scranton. Um, JMJ is so good, Um, such programming. You you learn so much information about the faith. Um, You can never really learn enough about the Catholic faith, um, and the world's full of all sorts of noise and distractions, and I believe it's really important to surround ourselves with the good news of jesus so that we can draw close to him and live in his reality um, and his plan for our lives so please share the news with your family and friends about jmj catholic radio and especially for those of you that are devoted listeners please keep jmj catholic radio in your prayers that uh, our mission will continue on to spread the good news and as mother angelica always used to say keep us between your gas and electric bill um, If you're able to support financially JMJ at all, we really appreciate that. And just for a little contact there, you can call JMJ at 570-287-4670. Or you could send a check in the mail um, to JMJ Catholic Radio, PO Box 851, Pittston, Pennsylvania, 18640. And uh, before we jump into our interview, as I always do, Uh, Let's read from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 10, where Jesus tells us, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. We thank you so much, Jesus, for giving us this assurance and promise of the Father keeping us in his plan and holding us in his hands um, today and forever, really. So we thank you for that. Um, And we're so pleased today to have Edward join us. Ed, thank you for coming on the program.
0: My pleasure.
2: My pleasure. Happy to be here.
1: Thank you. We're so excited to have you on. And I was pleased to meet Ed at the um, International Nurses Congress in Philadelphia at the beginning of August. And we got to visit a little bit then, so I'm excited to have him on. Um, and, Edward, I always like to start the program with asking my guests um, a, a rather difficult question, actually. A lot of people have a hard time deciphering what, what's their favorite. Um, what is what is a favorite scripture passage of yours, and what does it mean so much to you?
2: The, the passage that, that jumps out at me that probably means the most, because of its overall message, uh, is Matthew 6. Uh, 25 to 34, which is basically the the lilies of the field, uh, you know, reading, uh, mm-hmm. where it's basically saying, you know, trust in God, literally trust in God. That you are in, you know, on a journey, uh, and the, you know, the part that even jumps out even more in terms of that specifically, uh, you know, is is where he says basically, you know, seek first the kingdom of God. And all the things you know will be given to you. Besides, so don't worry. Tomorrow will take care of itself. I used to say to my students when I would talk about the uh, the Our Father. I would say to them, you know, it says, "Give us this day our daily bread." Okay, daily bread, mm-hmm. not for the whole month. Mm-hmm. The daily bread. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not something where you say, "Give us this this day our daily bread," and and Lord, if it's in your uh, good wishes. Please throw in the winning lottery ticket. That's not where it's supposed to go. So the uh, so anyway, it really is that message of faith. And in my own, you know, private life, that really has been um, the most important aspect of it. Uh, the fact that uh, in life, with that relationship, you know, with the Lord. There may be things that God wants you to do, and, and how God wants you to interact with people. Uh, but stay true to the faith, and whatever it is, it will work itself out. Um, you know, you you won't know everything. You're not going to know everything until you meet the Lord. Right, uh, right. But it's it's that message of trusting, you know, trusting in the Lord, and that and that really is what jumps out at me when I think of that particular passage. Uh, and how it really does impact us on our day-to-day life.
1: Yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love, I love that passage as well. That's a, that's a great one. So, Ed, I want to I kind of jump into our, our, uh, our next question of what are, what are some ways in your life that you really felt like the Father's held you in his hands, led you, provided for you? If you could share with us a little bit about that in your own life.
2: Well, certainly, in terms of uh, you know just quite frankly in terms of growing up and and even in terms of the interaction with, with, with you know with the lord uh you know typical you know grew up in a Catholic household you know Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, you know even Catholic college um, but it was quite frankly in terms of my own story it really was in college it's not that I was you know away from the church but I wasn't. But it was in college where, where I had that 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 experience of uh, what is this all about? What's life all about? And right, that was right. when you know I start to really go in more in in, in more in depth study of the faith, and it was like just an unbelievable experience of like every day of you look it over and say this really makes sense this this, this really is good uh, mm-hmm. and that is uh you know in terms of my own journey you know the catalyst for it uh the fact that i have no idea wh- you know what's going to happen except i know god wants me to keep growing in the faith and thank god he brings people into you know into our lives sure that help you in that journey that you you have no way of knowing and all of a sudden it comes in so it really is a matter of trusting the lord and and walking in that journey of faith uh there may be times where you know some people say well but where was god with this and where was god with that and i would even say to my students when they talk about you know life in general and about bad things that happen and i would say we live in an imperfect world you know, if it was perfect, we'd be with God. Right. It's perfect. Um, and yet what you can see is when people live a life of faith, a, a life of, a, you know, relationship with the Lord, a loving Lord, that all of a sudden, you know, you get that extra strength to keep going on. Uh, sure.
1: And,
2: and that's one of the messages that I've always tried to, uh, you know, say to my students. Um you know, I, I I used to say people, I take what I do very seriously. Um, and, um, you know, I've try to, uh, you know, incorporate with them the importance of prayer, uh, you know, the importance of the sacraments. Um, and there were a number of experiences where, uh, uh, you know, I've had those kind of encounters where even the experience for me, uh, you know, was something where I was like, wow, that really is good, that's really neat. The, uh, yeah. You know, once one story I tell people is about uh, uh, my first year at the school. There was, uh, and at that time at Fisher Bryan High School, it was uh, basically two separate schools sharing the same building. Boys were on one side of the building, girls were on the other, and I was on the girl side. And uh, on the girl side, we would have uh, classes uh, organized according to semesters. So I would have five groups of students in the fall and then another five groups of students in, in the spring. And it was around, uh, sometime around Christmas, one year. Because I remember I was going through the school lobby and there's a Christmas tree there. So that's what I remember the timing <laughs> of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I'm going through the lobby, I see this girl crying her eyes out to... Uh, uh, to the uh, disciplinarian, and I didn't know what the situation was. And you know, you just as you're walking by, Lord, please take care of this kid. Um, and I didn't know what happened to her until, right. until the second semester. And lo and behold, she's in one of my classes. And I always begin the class with a prayer and ask if anybody has any intentions. And then I found out why she was crying. What happened was she had a Camaro uh stolen from the school's parking lot. And every day in class I would say, is everybody have any special intentions? And this girl would raise her hand and say, For my car. <laughs> and I would go the second any intentions for my car. The next <laughs> week every day for my car. It is going on and on till probably it was about six or seven weeks. Um after, that, after the car was stolen, and Kathy's praying for it every day, I was talking to uh, a policeman, a friend of mine, and I said to him, What's, you know, what is the odds for this kid getting her car back? And he asked, how long has it been? I said, it's about six or seven weeks. And he said to me, forget it. He said, that car is either stripped or it's in another state. He says, she'll never see that car again. I so, so, okay, so I go back into the classroom and did uh, anyway, we have special attentions? and Kathy raises her hand. And I, and I didn't have the heart to say, to say Kathy, uh, God, speaking through Officer Rocker Giordano at the Philadelphia Police Department, said no. I, do <laughs> right, I don't do that. So we keep going. And about two weeks after that, I come into school in the morning, and Kathy's walking down the hallway, and she's got a big smile on her face, and she goes, "Guess what, Mr. Wise?" I said, "What?" She goes, "They found my car." And I said, "They did?" <laughs> they did. <laughs> they did Kathy? Uh, but then the story gets better, and that was the fact that and how they found out about the car being stolen. Apparently, somebody ran a, uh, a red light on the Roosevelt Boulevard in Philadelphia. Police, you know, pulled the car over person who had the, had the car did not have an owner's card. Uh, they checked the vehicle identification number, and it matched Kathy's car. But what was better was the people who stole it gave it a new paint job, put new locks in, put air shock absorbers in, and a stereo tape deck. So Kathy <laughs> got the <laughs> car back better than when it was stolen. And, uh, I love that. <laughs> and when I told my sister that story, she said, that really happened. I said, yeah. she goes, well, "Can you pray that like my old car gets stolen or gets missing?" And I didn't. <laughs> but the good thing is, it is the fact that it was really a good story of faith on that girl's part. A couple mm-hmm. years later, she mo- she's the uh, becomes president of the alumni association. I was the moderator, and in my back closet, my classroom, I had alumni material, and she came in. Um, Knocking my door and said, Could I get some stuff from the back closet? I said, Yeah, that then she came in the room and I said, Hey kids, remember the story I told you about the girl whose car was stolen? And they went, yeah, I said, And there she is. And they went, That really happened? And she went, Yeah, that really happened. So, wow, it was one of those, you know, really quite frankly, teachable moments, uh, mm-hmm. that I've always tried to emphasize, uh, you know, with the kids, um, about prayer. And the um, and the segments and there are quite frankly a lot of those kinds of stories uh, where the uh, where you could see it, it you know it means something with the kids mm-hmm. the um, uh, you know and, and I can tell you like I said there is there is a lot um, you know, there, there was a story of a good example. Uh, and this was especially during the time when the church was going through a really difficult time, uh, you know, 20 years ago. And uh, the story is, in this collage of pictures I have by sideboard, uh, there is a picture of uh, a, a priest of mine and this former student. And the context was this. The girl had, uh, had graduated in 1984. She was killed in a car accident a year later. And um, a month after her funeral, after she was buried, her girlfriend came up to school and asked if I could arrange to have a mass said for the girl in the school chapel for her family and friends because they were really having a difficult time dealing with you know with her loss. And the um, the campus minister that particular weekend was was going to be away. So what I did was I called up uh, a priest friend of mine. And told him the situation, and he came over to that to the school that Saturday morning and said an absolutely beautiful mass for this girl and her you know for her family and her friends and uh, I would say to the students I said, you know he never met the girl he there were you know she wasn't even from his parish you know he was from Our Lady Calvary this girl was from Christ the king mm-hmm. a neighboring parish uh, and uh, I said all he knew was that these people needed to feel God's loving presence, and that's why he was retained. Mm. And in so on the collage is a picture of Monsignor Majoris and this girl, Michelle. Um, so there's, you know, just good stories of faith that I love sharing with people because it really is the gospel. Um you know, I said when I went down the EWTN, uh, okay. they asked me what my hope was, and I said I want to saturate the secular with the sacred, mm. because I want people to have that those kinds of experiences. Um, talk about me, my faith journey. I always say, August 1st to August 8th, 1976, the Eucharistic Congress in Philadelphia. You couldn't walk around the city. Without seeing a priest or none and that was it. Every time they would see that, it would be an acknowledgement of God, God, God. Mm. That's the kind of thing. So, um, so even like you know, the World Meeting of Families that we had, that experience, the, the World Congress of Catholic Nurses—I love that for, for that. Yeah, it's right. the very same thing. Right. Uh, it was wonderful. You see, yeah, you see people sharing the faith. You see, and, and it's like, folks, this is what God wants. Mm-hmm. You want to have peace and happiness in this world. This is the way to go. Yeah. So yeah. it is the um, it's that kind of uh, of uh, you know experience. Uh, you know that uh, uh, that even led to um, you know the, the the prayers make the world website. Uh, yeah.
1: So so tell us tell us a little bit about that. Um, Ed, tell us about how after, you know, you you were finished teaching, God sprung you into this ministry. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, What happened, long story short, what happened was this. Uh,
2: I had to be surfing the internet one night and came across the Trappist monastery in North Africa, where seven Trappist monks were murdered. And I have the picture of them on that collage in my room. And with that, I sent the monastery an email and said um, that. Uh, I'm sorry, I just got distracted. What happened was, I sent them an email and said, you know, "Please pray for my students." Well, to my amazement, they sent me back an email, uh, you know, telling me that uh, uh, that they would. Now they had they put it in French because the, the monks at the, at the in the monastery at that time were French. Took it to a French teacher. I said, What what are they saying? He said, Well, they're praying for your intent, you're praying for your students. I go into the classroom and said, Kids, this is what I did. Here's the email. There are people literally around the world praying for you. Mm -hmm. And any teacher knows when you say something and it registers. But I thought that was just a one-time experience. It was just like, okay, this is what I did. Now let's get back to the lesson plan. But a week later. I'm going through the school cafeteria, and one of the uh, going to the faculty dining room, and one of the cafeteria aides stops me, and asks if I can have prayers, you know, said for her daughter-in-law who was having a difficult pregnancy. So this time, I send an email up to the Abbey of the Genesee, the Trappist monastery in upstate New York, where I'm going for retreats. for at their homepage. Came in, give it to alice and said alice give us to your daughter-in-law let, let her know that there's people praying for her and it was this woman alice's reaction it was like a wow moment and i kept thinking people need to have this type of experience but wh- how do i do this where's it going i have no idea sure so i got together with some of the kids where eyes open to all people, if I turn the computer on and it lights up, that's about the extent of my <laughs> literacy. Uh, but you know, for these kids, it's like a nature. And I said to them, I'm thinking about this. Some, some way of connecting people that we, you know, they're asking for prayers with different religious communities. How, what do you, you know, what do you think? And they were all really positive uh, for, um, you know, for that type of thing. Uh, So what I did was I went out and I met with the Pink Sisters, the Poor Clares, the Cromos, just to get a sense from them, because it was contemplative communities that I was dealing with. And um, so I I wanted to find out from them, how did they think this thing could be going? And sure enough, uh, they gave me good information. Uh, For example, one of the communities said... um, well, we can't physically respond because we don't have the people power to be able to do that. And I took that back to the kids in the school and said, well, what about, uh, how do we stop this problem? And they said, Mr. Lawrence, you could program that into the computer. Went, okay. Or the how many prayer requests would they get? Would they get you know, inundated? And we, well, we can narrow it down where you can get maybe one a day where, where it's manageable, it's doable. So we incorporated that in. But, the, um, but then it was the experience of, okay, how do we put this up? Because I'm not kidding about my computer literacy. So uh, what I did do was I had a former student who did his undergrad work in um, – his undergrad and graduate work in computer science at Trexel University. And I asked him if he could find a programmer who could uh, put this together. I did not, and I said, out how much? I had no idea what was gonna happen with that. And he gave, came back to me and he said, I found somebody, he says, I checked his work out, and then he said it would take 40 to 60, no, I'm sorry, 60 to 80 hours of computer time at $100 an hour. So I'm thinking, okay, at least I have a, a dollar figure as to what this might run. Sure. And I happened to go down to uh, the archdiocese because I kept thinking maybe there 's a way of connecting the class, it kept connecting you know, the, the uh, religion classes and all the schools, etc. And when I sat down with them, and I gave them the schematic this, this is just a design, this is what we 'd like to do." And they went, "My God, this is exactly what we 're looking for, and there may be some grant money available." And wow. I said the ob- And I said the obvious question how much and they said oh around eight thousand and i thought that is just an unusual amount that they say <laughs> right so i'm thinking yeah. okay okay i said we got this thing up and running we're going however they wanted it up for the anniversary of the world being families and three weeks before that after i had invited uh the auxiliary bishop from Philadelphia is going to bless, you know, bless the room for this. I've got the Knights of Columbus, the Saint Paul Society, the president of the Blessed Sacrament Sisters, the president of the good of the uh, uh, the Grey Nuns. I had daughters of Saint Paul come down from New York, and my former student calls me up because we have a problem. And I said, one the He goes, they don't, "He doesn't think he can get it done in time." <laughs> I'm thinking, well, "We got to oh. have something," and he, we had to scramble. We had to find somebody who could do it. On time, now remember, the clock is ticking, and for no more than the, the, what they're allotting for this. Well, not only did we find somebody, but the total amount of invoices that I had to send downtown was 3200 which is <laughs> way less than 8000 And That's when I, gave, when I gave a talk at the seminar, I said to the fellows out there, I said, fellas, the diocese loved it when you get things done on time and way under budget. <laughs> absolutely but, absolutely but that's, but that's the hand of god with this thing and and the website oh, yeah. has just kept growing i mean right now in addition to the religious communities you know that we have we also have um some of the catholic organizations like the knights of columbus and paul society we've got shrines we've got retreat centers uh we have uh, schools, we've got parishes, we have causes for sainthood. Um, one of the things that we did uh, uh, about two years ago is we arranged for a Zoom experience between one of the Catholic high schools in Philadelphia and Pope John Paul II Academy in Uganda. And wow. um, I said to one of the bishops afterwards, I said, what did for me for that experience was when the kids from both schools, Something like 7,000 miles apart. Different, you know, different continent, different countries, different cultures, the same faith. When they both stood up and faced each other and prayed the Our Father, because that is what it's all about. But you're united in prayer, everything else, you know, takes care of itself. So the. uh, So So listen, so Ed,
1: I actually, I actually, I I hate to cut in where we got to wrap up here. But I wanted you real quick just to let our guests know, um, how do they get to that website? What, what do they put in to get to your website?
2: Sure. It's, it, you just go to www.prayersunitetheworld.org. Okay? When you go on, there is a page where you can type in the prayer request. If you would like a response indicating uh, who's, who's actually praying, uh, etc., Uh, There is a box where it says send response to others. So if you're praying for a friend Mm -hmm. uh, and you want them to know you have people praying for them, you said type in the prayer request. It will go out to representatives of, for argument's sake, five different communities, and the computer picks them at random. Uh, When you type in in the email address of where you want that to go, they will get a page that says – the, you know, these are the communities that are praying you know, praying for you. And that'll provide right. them with links to those communities. It'll indicate two causes for sainthood and also a link to Archbishop Nelson Perez's video on the real presence.
1: So Wonderful. it's a complete
2: package on that.
1: Great. Oh, goodness. I'm sorry that we have to end, end so shortly here, but thank you so much for coming on, Ed, and I'm excited about that website. Please, everybody out there, check that out. That's such a wonderful gift to give to somebody.